is in the chapter 3 of 1 John. The scripture says, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew Him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when He shall appear, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank You for bringing us here to Your house, Lord, to worship You, praise You, and glorify You above all else as You are very worthy of it all. Lord, be with me as I preach the message. Lord, fill me with the Spirit. Let Your fire burn within me, Lord, and let Your truth may be exalted. It may be the same with our sister churches today. Let us all go and glorify You for all that You've done for us and the great love You've shown us and the promises that You have never turned back on for us. Lord, I ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. So the title, what our pastor talked about a little bit earlier, is we're going to be talking about the sons of God, specifically here from 1 John. So we have all heard a child in our lives say how they want to grow up to be just like somebody. It's a very common thing amongst children as they are easily influenced. When I was younger, there was multiple figures I'd always look up to and say, I want to be like them. For example, I'd see my parents do wonderful things, especially for me, and I'd say to myself, I would like to be just like you. But as a kid, I would not stop there. I'd see these famous athletes on the television. And as a kid that loved sports, I would look up to them and say, I would be, like to be just like that as well. And then as I got older, when I see people more on the TV, more prominent figures in society, I would look at them and say, I aspire to be just like them. I was in a constant state of looking to other people, looking to man to see how I wanted to be, how I wanted to model myself after as I grew into an adult. But on September 8th, 2020, it all changed. My mindset changed. My aspirations changed. My goals changed. Everything changed. Who I wanted to model myself after changed completely. And instead of looking to man to model myself I looked more towards the one that changed me. And that is Christ. Now, that's not to say that there isn't good qualities we can look at in other people and try to take away, but I did not look up to Him the way I look up to Christ right now. And that's what it's like for all Christians. It should be for all Christians. We should all have that want to model ourselves after Christ. And if you're not wishing to model yourself after Christ, you should take a long look at your salvation. That's what the book of 1 John was given to us. To observe, to keep looking at our salvation, to make sure we are saved. So, 
coming directly to this text today, we are going to see what the Christian wishes for. What we will try to be like one day and what we will be like one day. It's exciting news to read about, to see. No more sin, no more shame, no more of our iniquities. Why? Because as the text says, we will be like Him. So from these verses, we are going to see something given to us from the past, something from the present, and we're also given something from the future. So starting out, we are going to talk about the commencement we are giving from the past. Verse 1 says, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew Him not. So note at the beginning of verse 1 there specifically, it says, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called sons of God. So before we get to the past tense part of this verse, I really think it's important for us to understand what was bestowed upon us. And that is love. Love is a wonderful thing. It's commonly talked about. But this is a love far beyond human comprehension. We think of love as a mere feeling, a mere emotion. That is just a mere emotion from God to us. But it's important to note that God is love. And it's oh so evident. Everywhere we look, everything we're given, everything He allows, everything He doesn't allow, it's all evident that God is love. And it's evident that that love was bestowed upon us. God was love since the beginning. We see love in creation. We see it revealed Old Testament to New Testament. Think about it. The first mention of love in the Old Testament is in the book of Genesis. In chapter 22, verse 2, God says to Abraham, Take now thy son, thy only son Isaac, whom thou loves, and get thee into the land of Moriah and offer him there for a burnt offering. And then we're going to see when the second time love is mentioned in the Bible. It's two chapters later. In Genesis 24, verse 67, it says, And Isaac took Rebekah, and she became his wife, and he loved her. So think about this. The first mentioning of love in the Bible is a father loving his son. It's amazing because this shows us that God who gave us his son, it shows us the lengths of love he did for us. It showed us what he gave up for us. He asked Abraham to sacrifice Isaac. But in reality, he's preluding up to how he will have his son come down and he will sacrifice. He will be the lamb. It shows us what God was willing to do to let his only begotten son, whom he loved, come down to earth to share a great message, a life-saving message for many. Then to be mocked, to be beaten, to be crucified, and to be risen. It shows the love, the love God has for us. Christ was love as well. He came down and poured nothing out except it. It shows 
how God is love. And thus, after seeing the love between the Father and the Son, then we see love between the Son and His bride. Jesus came for us, and He sacrificed for us, as we just talked about. And we, as the church, as the bride, have a love for Him. We talk, and we talk about belief. But a true belief on our behalf includes a love for our Savior. A love for the actions He did for us. Now, it's through faith we are saved. But this love will be a byproduct of that faith. Why? Because you completely understand that Christ God the Father's only begotten Son showed us the greatest act of love by laying down His life for us. That's what John in chapter 15 says. He says, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. That's what Christ did. And Christ showed the ultimate act of love for His bride, the church. And the church should see that and love them for it. The bottom line, what we should see from all of this, God is love. He is love. And it was shown in a great manner. The verse says, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. The word manner here is from the Greek word, and the word primarily means from what country instead of, you know, what sorts. We all know there is not a single country on earth. There isn't a single region on this planet. There isn't a single place in this world that could compare to the love of God. There isn't a place that displays as much love as God does. There isn't a place that contains as much love as God did through creation and as He has done since. What does this show us? That the manner of love that God bestowed upon us is unique. One of a kind. There's nothing like it. We haven't seen it since. Nothing can compare to this love. We must really, as believers, take in how great and how just incredible this manner of love that the Father had and bestowed upon us. I mean, think about this love. It's able to shine through strongly despite being in a world full of sin and iniquity. We are in a corrupted world, corrupted by sin. But the love is strong. It bursts through it. And think about this. This love is what makes life bearable for us here on earth. In fact, I'd go as far to say it would be horrible and meaningless without the love from God. What will we have to live for? What will we have to look forward to? The purpose of life becomes nullified if you take the love of God out of the equation. And that just really should exemplify to us how marvelous this love is. And we are also shown how marvelous this love is as throughout the Bible we are given characteristics of God's love. So let's think about some of these characteristics that are given to us. 
And the first characteristic is that this love is eternal. Jeremiah 31.3 says, The Lord hath appeared of old unto me, saying, Yeah, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. Therefore, with love kindness have I drawn thee. We hear all the time in the world today, I don't love you anymore. My love is fading. But the love of God is far more reliable. It's everlasting. Think about this deeper. There's no timetable upon this love. The love does not stop because years pass by. The love does not just disintegrate. God does not simply fall out of love. But His love is also everlasting as it withstands our failures and our struggles. It's still there when we sin, after we sin. It still breaks through to us. We are sinners. We are in a sin nature. And time and time again, we find ourselves back at a place of sin. But no matter what, once the love of God was bestowed upon us, and we are saved, love doesn't leave. Despite our wickedness, despite our failures, despite our iniquities, despite our betrayals, God still loves us. It's eternal. It cannot be plucked. And it's great, and it's unconditional. And it's not only that, but it's also incomprehensible. Ephesians 3 Verses 18 through 19 says, May be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and the length and the depth and the height, and to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge that ye might be filled with the fullness of God. We can't comprehend everything. There are things of God that we cannot fully understand. It's like this morning when our pastor talked about the pleasure of his goodwill. What does it mean? The pleasure of his goodwill. We don't know what it is exactly, but we know that he is right and just to do what he does. We sometimes think that we can understand it, that we can grasp it, that if we read it over and over, that we will see the hidden message. But the things of God surpass the, what's possible for man to know. We as humans cannot fully grasp it. Our minds just can't wrap around it. We cannot plumb to the depths of it. We can't scale the height of it. We can't weigh it on a scale and get a number. And that's what the love of God is. It's far greater than what the human mind can process around. And it's this love of God that drew us a plan for salvation. That God made us His sons that God gave us an inheritance, even though we don't deserve it. It's the love that was done on Calvary. We can't understand it fully. It's truly incomprehensible. It says, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew Him not. I also want to note, who is bestowing the love here upon us. And that is the Father. 
God the Father. It is God Himself, the God of us, and the God of our Lord Savior Jesus Christ. And it was the Heavenly Father who demonstrated the love upon us. Jesus says over and over in the book of John how He came to do the Father's will. Jesus came as a servant to God the Father. So the love bestowed by God and the Father from Christ was by God the Father. Not only that, but it's the love from God the Father that makes us His children. That makes us the sons of God. That's what this verse says. It's the love that makes us a family with God. It's this love why all these wonderful things happen. And it's a love that sought us before the foundations of the world, as our pastor talked about in Ephesians 1. It was from the past. The love has already been given. The love has already been bestowed. And the word bestowed and giving means that you are receiving more than you're giving back. That's what the exchange is. We're getting far more from God than we're giving back to Him. And it was all done before time itself even existed. That God hath adopted us into His family. That the love of God was bestowed upon the elect. Thus, we are called sons of God. We talked about it earlier. The first time that love was talked about in the Bible was between a father and a son. And it's a great bond. And we will be sons of God. It's a great act of love. We will have that bond one day. And still, it's incomprehensible for us to fully understand But all we know is the exchange is far greater. We are receiving a far more than we are giving back. It says, Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew Him not. We live in a complex world. A world that claims a bunch of knowledge a world that claims science and a full understanding of how things work, yet they're always missing a certain piece. It's because they don't understand the full things of God. But the thing is, they're missing the most important piece. For instance, they could tell you a lot about the earth, but yet they can't reasonably explain how it was created. They, without being able to understand the things of God, are still truly blind. They don't see. They don't comprehend. They don't understand our ways, our reasoning, our actions. That's why it says, the world knoweth us not because it knew Him not. And what better witness than this than John? A man that lived with Christ. The author of this epistle. In John 1.11, he says, He came unto His own, and his own receiveth, received him not. His own people were rejecting Christ and were blind to Christ. Despite his miracles, despite his godly actions, they were blind. If those people are blind, how will the rest see? That's why John 1.5 says, And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehendeth it not. 
Darkness can't understand it unless the love of Christ is upon it. Thus, why the world knows us not. They don't know our Savior. They don't know the love of God. They surely won't understand that the light that we try to shine in the world. So we talk about how it was commenced in the past. Now we're going to see how it's a continuation in the present. Verse 2 says, Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when He shall appear, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. Right now, we are the sons of God. Right now. Not before, not after. We are right now. And this is a positive notion giving. We are already adopted. We are already children. It can't be taken. It's not in doubt. Like when a parent's child acts up. No matter what the child does. No matter how bad they are. They're still your child. Once you're adopted into the family of God, the paper has been signed by Christ, as our pastor said earlier. And then we are rightfully His. We can't be drawn away. And listen, John is putting this in the present tense. We can know this right now. We do not have to wait to death to figure this out. We can know that we are a son of God right now. It's put in the present tense by John for a reason. Even after we were talking about it in the past tense earlier. I also want us to think back to Moses. Moses with the burning bush. God told him, I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. God is referencing over a hundred years back, thus showing that he is the God of the past. But he also says in Exodus to Moses, when they're arguing over what authoritative name to go up to Pharaoh, I am that I am. Thus, he is declaring that he is the God of the present. But then we see, God foretold how Pharaoh's heart would be hardened, thus making him the God of the future as well. God is God of all time. Past, present, and future. In the past, God bestowed love on us. And now in the present, because He bestowed that love upon us, we are sons of God. We are in the family of God. And we have been, the Word of God has been planted in our minds, and we have been understood in our minds, and we have been reborn. And as a son of God, what does that mean? We are to try to be like the Son of God. Sons generally look up to their fathers as we are to look up to our adopted Father to be like Christ. We are to strive and be like Him, to aspire to be just like Him. It's like what I said from the beginning of this when I was saved. It's a side effect of being a son of God. That's the present side effects that we as Christians should all be experiencing. You could discern who a son of God is versus someone who isn't. And again, also, the great part about being a son of God is we get to reap the inheritance. 
dwelling with God in heaven, enjoying the riches in heaven, and most importantly, being with God Himself, we receive the greatest inheritance. And again, it's because the love that God hath bestowed upon us. So we talked about the commencement from the past and the continuation in the present. Now we're going to look at its consummation in the future. It says, Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when He shall appear, we shall be like Him. For we shall see Him as He is. John is now looking to the future, and it is a glorious future for believers. As John looks to the future, he anticipates three things. First of which, a mystery. Something that is hidden. He says, it doth not yet appear what we shall be. Key words are not yet. We don't fully know what is to come. It's this godly knowledge. It's things that we can't comprehend. It's things that have not been revealed to us yet. All we know is, right now we are sons of God. That's the knowledge we have right now. The future we don't fully know. But from what we do know, we are currently a son of God. But what that does tell us is what is to come. It gives us a foreshadowing of what is to come. Paul reminds us in 1 Corinthians how we can't fully know the things of God. It says in chapter 2, verse 9, But as it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that loved Him. It's what we talked about earlier. We can't fully know the things of God. But the Holy Spirit has given us some insight and we do have some knowledge. He shows us some of the glory ahead. He shows us what awaits us. It's what God reveals to us that we know through the Holy Spirit. Next, we see first John anticipates a mystery. Now John anticipates a holy movement. It says, but we know that when He shall appear, we shall be like Him. Right now, the Holy Spirit is working in us and helping conform us to be like the image of God's Son. To be like Christ. Like in my intro, what we as Christians should be striving to do. It's what the Christian heart should desire. It to be like Christ. To be like our Savior. To be far away from sin. To be like Him in body and in holiness for eternity. We will have a body like His glorious bodies. As Philippians chapter 3 says, there will be a body with great power and a body subject to higher law. Our body will be incorruptible. It will be eternal. It will be similar to the Lord's resurrected body. Our body won't get sick. It won't get old. It won't be touched by sin in any way. But we shall also appear like Him in holiness as well. We should get to dwell where He dwells. We should be able to get to thrive where He thrives. We should be marked with perfection and marked by His blood. And finally, John anticipates 
a happy meeting, for we shall see him as he is. We have to remember that John had seen him for who he is. John dwelt with Jesus for a while, and he really got to see who Christ was. He also got to go to the Mount of Transfiguration and see him as he is. He saw him and his glory. He saw his faith, his face shineth like the sun. He saw his garments light up like nothing else he's seen. And we, in the future, shall see him this way. We shall see his glory. We shall see his brightness. We shall see him as the light. We should see his holiness. We should see him on the throne. See his wonders. And we shall be like him. Like him in body. Like him in glory. Like him in character. Like him in conduct. Like him in conversation. Concluding, I want us to be really thankful for the God we have. To see the love that he gave us. Even if we think well, even that we are undeserving of it. Let's be thankful for the lengths taking of this love. Let's be thankful for all that he did when he didn't need to for us. Let's be thankful we are now sons of God. That he gave us a great inheritance and also a great task with being the son of God. To be like Christ, to thrive like Christ, to aspire to be like him. And then finally, in the future, we will. This is a brightening thing for a Christian. We will be like him. No more sin. No more shame. No more despair. We get to dwell with Christ with our new bodies. Let's go home and really rejoice that we have a God who bestowed a great amount of love that we did not deserve. And he gave us a great inheritance. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you once again for bringing us here today, Lord. Help your truth stick as we go into the world, Lord, and help us to preach your word, and Lord, help us to be servants for you. Lord, we ask that you bless us and help us have safe travels home, Lord, and help us to get through the work week so that we may come back next week and glorify your name. That's us all in Jesus' name. Amen.